0: Hello everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the equalizer podcast. I am your host Claire Watkins and we have playoff soccer to talk about the quarter final round first one in the league's history uh, kicked off this weekend we had two wins two well two wins and two losses I suppose two teams advanced <laughs> two teams did not we're going to get into all of it joined this week I am joined this week by equalizer contributor party Katri
1: how's it going party. I'm doing well. I'm not the one that had to go outside this week. How was the weather in Chicago?
0: Oh, it was amazing. It actually worked oh, out that's really good. nicely. Yeah. And it, and it meant that there was a very big crowd, which I think was probably the ideal, ideal thing that could have happened. Um, yeah. So let's just jump right in. We're going to jump into the first game, which was Chicago hosting Gotham. This was at 2 p.m. local, 3 p.m. Eastern on CBS sports. The narratives here, I think, were, at least in my, you know, in my estimation, were that these teams are very similar, right? It's seed number four versus seed number five. There might not be a lot differentiating these two teams, which you actually kind of saw as the game played out. Um, obviously, going in knowing it was possibly Carly Lloyd's last game as a professional, should they not advance? Uh, and what we got was kind of exactly what we expected. It was very close. It was not super technical. Um, it was very physical. And ultimately the home team did come out on top. The Red Stars won this game one to nothing on a goal from Mallory Pugh in the 61st minute. Just first thing first from you, Party, just overall thoughts. What were your thoughts on this game?
1: Um, you know, like you say, tight margins on this one. But I think the Red Stars as a whole were they were better. I thought the game plan was a little clearer, and Mallory Pugh lifted that uh, that match. The, I mean, she I think was the best player on the pitch uh, that day. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the most entertaining match, but expected in some ways, like you mentioned. But I think Chicago have a lot to be proud of.
0: I mean, ultimately, to me, it seems like the differentiator was one team's game plan kind of worked and one team's game plan kind of didn't. And so there there's one element where there's sort of a, with those kinds of games that are nil, nil draws until someone gets the breakthrough. Um, sometimes it's like a mutual canceling out between two teams. And we saw a little bit of that, especially in the first half, but it seemed like Chicago's canceling out of Gotham was by design uh, And Gotham's canceling out of Chicago was a little bit more um, of them just sort of reacting to what Chicago was doing, meaning that Chicago came out very defensively minded, not shocking to anybody. Um, Most specifically in that the Red Stars, in order to sort of bolster their attack, I actually wrote about this for the site. So if anybody's curious for a written version of this, go over to the site and check it out. But um, Chicago has pushed their outside backs forward in some games to basically add an, another midfielder at times uh, and Aaron, Wright Cause she can cover a lot of ground because she's very fast and can run very far. Um, they didn't do that. They s- had the outside back stay home. That was Aaron Wright and T- uh, the rookie Tatum Malazzo. Cause Casey Krieger wasn't quite uh, recovered enough to, to play in this game. And they basically dared Gotham to get behind them. Played a high line. They played the offside game really well. Now, the issue with that, <laughs> as we all know, is when you go in with the first uh, mentality being to deny the other team, you can sacrifice a lot in the attack. So my next question for you, party. Did it seem like Chicago was going to score? I, I'm about to say in the run of play, which is unfair because they did score in the run of play, but it was off of a turnover, a pretty uh, blatant turnover off of a corner kick. So Chicago got a corner kick. They actually have this nice little play drawn up. Mallory Pugh sends the ball in. Very nice catch by Kaylin Sheridan, who throws the ball to McCall Zerboni. Sarah Wilmo picks her pocket, sends it back to Pugh. They score. Did it feel like, though, Chicago was on the brink of scoring through something that they produced? Or do you think that they just got a little bit lucky pouncing on that one really golden opportunity?
1: I think that game was setting up for somebody to make a little mistake that would have been very costly, which we'll talk about this obviously later, but that I think the other game in the day also set up for that. But I think, I mean, at the end of the day, that's a little bit what Chicago was trying to do. Right. So I think, I mean, I think it's fine. And I think, Yesterday's match showed a little bit more of tactical flexibility from them Mm -hmm. that will make their playoff run inherently interesting. If not the, I mean, the matches themselves might not be the most captivating. The goal, though, is
0: to make the games not interesting,
1: right? right? Yeah, right. So it makes, like I said, it makes the storyline more interesting than the games. But you do have to credit them for. I mean, they just. Again, I go back to that thing about how they had a really concise game plan that really worked out for them, which ultimately is the goal, right? Uh, you, You have to, I guess sometimes you do have to rely on the other team to make a mistake. I feel like I'm repeating myself, but...
0: <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. And sometimes the mistake doesn't come. I mean, Gotham similarly was waiting for Chicago to make a mistake. Exactly. they were both just never made it. one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I think maybe because Gotham were sort of in... They weren't in the best run of form going into this match and have like a really weird defensive structure. Mm-hmm. I think it's fine to just sort of wait for them to make the mistake. I think it's really interesting tactic. I like I said, at the end of the day to me, it's sort of like a game plan that was really well executed at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. And it was set up to win this exact game. We'll see what happens against Portland. I don't think Portland's making a mistake in the back to be completely honest, So I don't know exactly how this works against a different team. Um, Okay, let's flip it over to Gotham, though, because we know what Chicago did quite well. It's something that they've been working on for a long time. They've played this version of a game many, many times this season, and they've gotten better at it every time. So Gotham, you're always going to have a little bit of a spotlight on you when you lose the game, right? And I'm I'm interested. I'm very interested by Gotham because we've got Scott Parkinson on the sideline, and he – very good attitude, right? He comes in – really liking this group, wanting to help them succeed. It's not his team though. He did not craft this roster. And we saw some of the imbalances, I think, with Gotham in this particular game. Uh, One being that they subbed their center back in the second half. They subbed Gina Lewandowski out for Mandy Freeman. Now that was possibly just fully due to injury, or maybe it had something to do with how Scott maybe feels about setting that defense up for the success in the future. Right. Um, Carly Lloyd played the whole game and they made a lot of subs. The Gotham, I think played, made their full five available subs. Um, even though we've seen that that attack has not always been on the same page, even in the past. Right. Yeah. So do you think any of this is a big deal or do you think it's just a team in transition moving from one coach to another. Is there something you think Parkinson could have done better in that moment rather than other than just blow everything up the moment he arrived? (laughs)
1: Um, I think in terms of just this game alone, I would have loved to see a change in the forward line at some point. Yeah. Or just earlier. It wasn't working for a long time. I think maybe he was a little slow to that. But I
0: will say the moment Paige Monahan came on, it seemed like Gotham got a spark on that right side. And so I was like, ha it seems like maybe you would want to prioritize getting that player on the field and having them work with your speedier forwards to get in behind and and force Chicago to again, try to make that mistake.
1: Yeah, no, to me, I overall really like the group of attackers Gotham has, but like you mentioned, I think the trio that started against the Red Stars, Anamanu Lloyd, Purse, that doesn't gel perfectly, right? And I understand why you start those people, <laughs> but I think if you, it's a winner go home game, you should probably prioritize that above anything else. Get somebody like Paige Monahan in a little earlier maybe they were, maybe it wouldn't have, I mean, look, you got to just try to get the result. Maybe you don't get it anyway, but you, that, that is probably the one thing. If I'm going to be a little bit nitpicky, that's where it's going to be.
0: Yeah. I think my other, my other one is um, Chicago. And again, this is a little bit where I'm like, for, for Scott Parkinson, you know, he came from Chicago He talked a little bit after the game about expecting it to be more end-to-end and a little bit more open. I'm not entirely sure why he thought that. Yeah. Um, Those quotes were interesting to me. Maybe he just thought that Chicago wasn't going to be able to execute as well as they did. Um, But what happened is Chicago, as they have done frequently this year, they let Gotham have a lot of the ball. They operate um, off the ball almost exclusively, to be completely honest. Um, and, And they hit on the counter. You can kind of call the the goal that they scored a counter, I suppose, but it it was more of a turnover, but, um, why? And this is an answer. I, I, a question I don't think has an answer, but the midfield that they had set up with the homie, Kawasumi, McCall Zerboni and Ali long. Now it's clear watching that midfield that, um, McCall Zerboni is there to set a physical tone and she's very important defensively as is Ali long. Um, They do a good job of disrupting and defending and they were on Vanessa DiBernardo and pretty much took her out of the game. But when they had that ball and, and yes, Ali long's a great passer, but she's not always a forward passer. Why not Jen Cujo? She is the player that would be really her on the ball skills are, are exceptional. She's a good passer. Maybe it's too late. In the middle of a game like this one to make that switch. But if you're being forced into possessing,
1: <laughs> yeah. wouldn't
0: you bring your players on that can do that the best?
1: Yeah, see, that's, that is like kind of a little bit of a long term gripe I have. Right. Gripe is the wrong word, but.
0: <laughs> a question, maybe.
1: <laughs> yes, question. Question mm-hmm. is a better word. Yeah, I, th- I think Cujo has been a little underutilized over the last few months. And so I wasn't so surprised that at this point, she didn't make it into the lineup for this match, but yeah, I, th- I think maybe integr I think this is sort of a thing where if you had, maybe you'd sort of set yourself up to not make that choice or make a specific choice at this point. Right. Like you're not, I wasn't surprised by the midfield selection at the end of the day, but, but that's because the question I had is a long-term question. Right.
0: It's clear what they were going with, right? From the beginning. Um, Um, Yes. And speaking of things they were going with, this is my last Gotham question. I think if this was not Carly Lloyd's last possible game, I say in quotes, do you think she plays the whole game? Or do you think that the significance of that moment maybe outweighed the tactical choices in her use for the last four or five games?
1: I don't want to accuse anybody of anything.
0: I know it's a tough question, right?
1: And you understand why they leave her on the pitch. Right. You know, you're looking- I think there
0: is absolutely, I mean, you can argue whether it's defensible or not, but there is a soccer answer to keeping her on the field for the moment. right. Yeah.
1: But I think it's entirely possible that got in the way a little bit. Yeah. And I think for somebody like Scott Parkinson, if you're going to take the, if you're going to calculate the risk of that, it's okay to do it because you can still just say, well, this isn't quite my team yet. Right.
0: Oh yeah. This isn't
1: really my vision yet. I can still, you know, get a couple of freebies while I do it. And probably nobody who will hold me accountable is going to be mad that I did this.
0: Yeah. I think So that's, I'm that's just fair.
1: gonna run with this.
0: Yeah. I think that's fair. Uh I, I also think a little bit it reminds me a little bit of Carly Lloyd's US women's national team in the last yes. couple of years of her career, where yes. I think when you have a squad built around a player, for better or for worse, you're winning with that player or you're not, right? And so, um, the, the chance to change things comes now instead of when she's on the roster. Because when you have a player like that, um, you're bound to playing with her. And I'm sure there are many people who say, well, that makes the team better. So that is absolutely a viable, a viable argument. So Chicago wins this game in a very Chicago fashion. They are moving on to play the first place Portland Thorns. We'll get into semifinal Not predictions are too strong, but sort of what we think might happen with the semifinals in a minute. I would like to switch over now to the second game of the day, which hilariously was actually closer in score in that we did not get the game's first goal until the second period of
1: extra time.
0: However, night and day from the first game,
1: right? 100%. I mean, all you need to look really is at the number of shots alone. But I don't. remember Between what, them,
0: it's over 50. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Washington, the Washington Spirit did win this game uh, real quick. Washington Spirit won this game in extra time off of a goal by Ashley Hatch. But yeah, Washington had 33 shots. North Carolina had 21. Washington had 13 shots on goal and yeah. they just could not hit the back of the net. And the narrative why is is pretty obvious. Why don't you go ahead and talk about it, Party?
1: Yeah, the uh, goalkeeping masterclass from both keepers, Aubrey Bledsoe and Casey Murphy. It was just remarkable what we saw from them. I mean, it was pretty remarkable for starters that nobody had scored because, quite frankly, there were a lot of really great opportunities, particularly in the second half of the before extra time. Those two were just unstoppable to a point. And really, look, Casey Murphy did concede the goal at the end of the day, but other than that was more or less flawless. So it was pretty heartbreaking to watch.
0: Yes, that, the, one, that the one little One giveaway. rebound she gives up, yeah. right? Um, yes. Now, yes, yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit, I guess. So I, I didn't get to watch this one live because I was at the Chicago game. I, I went back and I, and I watched it at home later that day. Um, it seemed to me like, also, yes, there were a lot of shots. And yes, people were getting into good positions. But I saw some of these saves that the goalkeepers were making. And this is something that I think is really interesting when you talk about defensive organization is these are some, there are some really good attackers on both of these teams, right? Um, there's uh, obviously North Carolina's got Amy Rodriguez and Dabinia and Lynn Williams and Jessica McDonald. Washington has Trinity Rodman, Ashley Hatch, Ashley Sanchez, just really impressive attackers. But it does seem like those shots, and I'd have to look at a shot map to to get a little bit closer to this, but some of them spatially, they were crackers, but they were being taken a little bit further away from goal, which rendered them savable shots, you know? And so fair. I, I'm, I'm curious what you think, Pardeep, is it, Yes, both goalkeepers had very, very good matches. But part of what makes those goalkeepers so good is it seems like they have perfected with the defense in front of them over time, moving in such a way that renders shots savable, which is ultimately what sunk North Carolina, which is that I think Murphy was kind of screened on that Rodman shot by one of her defenders, which meant she wasn't able to grab the ball cleanly. Um, So would you say maybe first impression, second impression, not a game where you're maybe like, yes, this is super defensively organized, but do you think it might've kind of been in a sneaky way?
1: Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, there, I mean, the other thing about this match is that a lot of people had really good games. It wasn't just the goalkeepers. Yeah. And that's one of the things that made it really fun, but Honestly, it was this really interesting, like, tug of war, almost. And I think, I think that's a really, really fair point. I mean, I think the spirit, I think, over the course of the season have, at times, been a little bit better defensively than the courage.
0: Absolutely. But, but the courage so, came to play. Like, that's the other they thing. They really did. Playoff courage is special. And it yeah. made you really happy they made it right
1: because yeah i was thrilled to see them rebound because they had been in a poor run of form for a really long time right and then i mean it has been a it's been really a heck of a season for them right just with everything but to see them rebound and to really i mean they went all the way with that match yeah they really did they it really every single element of this match from individual performances to collective performances made you just really happy that this match existed
0: yeah absolutely exactly like as it was and it was it was funny to to watch i did know i did know the result when i watched it but you do watch it and you think oh my gosh north carolina really it's going to be North Carolina again. Like it, it throws kind of your, your order of what you think is going on this season on its head, because there were momentum shifts in this game. It seemed like there were portions of the game where Washington was really on the front foot portion of the game where North Carolina was really on the front foot. And again, credit to the defenses in that they sort of weathered the storm every time. And yeah, you want to, you want to give props not only to the Washington back line. That's been very organized. Right. Right. Um, but the center back duo of Abby Ursag and Kaylee Kurtz, they've really struggled to find a center back next to Ursag that can keep things calm back there. And it feels like that spine between the two of them and Casey Murphy, if those players still want to be in North Carolina next year, that's something to build on. I think. Oh,
1: 100% a wonderful foundation for them to just grow. Yeah. That I think, right. This courage came into this game finally sort of letting sort of the difficulties of the past be in the past right now i think for them it came a little bit too late in the season which is understandable i mean lynn williams did actually talk about this well
0: and they they're still a little bit snake bit in front of goal i mean it's there's some stuff that is much better it's you wish they had another half a season to figure it out i think
1: yes Um, even like another three games might have been better for them. But really. I think they just sort of found themselves this new version of the courage a little too late, but just enough to show up for a really wonderful playoff match.
0: Right. And and they have a lot to be
1: proud of, I think.
0: Oh, for sure. And well, well, I think I do want to mention, I do want to talk a little bit of that part, the emotional element for sure. Um, But uh, yeah. And you even think of the trade that brought Amy Rodriguez into North Carolina and you make that kind of a trade. And then immediately you have a lot of off the field turmoil. Your coach is gone it takes time to build that kind of chemistry and rapport. And it just seems like they never really got a chance to do that. Um, And it seemed like Washington had that edge maybe. And that goes back to some of the stuff we talked about with North Carolina last week, which is that they have these veterans that are so solid. And it seems to me like they have begun to really figure the defense out again, but without Sam Mewis, that midfield still just could not. It, this is actually maybe unfair to say they couldn't connect, but Washington did it a little bit better. Maybe is, is what I'm saying. And it seemed yeah. like Washington's connectivity reminded me a little bit of their game against the dash last week in that you're like, you guys just got to get one on frame here. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> not even on frame,
0: <laughs> but just like a little bit, but maybe that's the Casey Murphy of it all. So I don't know.
1: Yeah. I don't know who to blame. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Fair. But I think there's a really interesting point to be made about sort of the squad chemistry and the spirit have had obviously off the field um, issues or actually some of it was on the field too. Who are we kidding? When your coach gets fired, that is an on the field issue. Sure. But I think there was a, I mean, probably the timing helped a little bit, Um. This group, there has been less turnover in this particular group of players though, than at the Courage, and I think that just that definitely helped them.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, Washington looks really good. This one was a grind. Uh, really important to be able to win these games, including the ones where you feel like you're really executing quite well. And also just <clears throat> a, whole, a whole match day of, of very thin margins. And that's great. That's great for the NWSL. Absolutely. I would rather justifies
1: the decision to have more than half of your teams in the playoffs. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Where it felt like it could go either way in both games. Um, last Washington question. Uh, so we got the short list for MVP defender of the year, rookie of the year, that kind of stuff. Now you're not supposed to let playoff games affect your, your thinking on this, but maybe another illustrated point in this game. Um, should Trinity Rodman have been an MVP candidate and not just a rookie of the year candidate? She adds a lot to that team.
1: She really does. It's true. Maybe she should have, but there are a lot of people that actually reasonably have cases to be the MVP this year.
0: I think didn't
1: make the cut. Yes. But I think maybe I can sort of see the balancing out of it where it's like, well, Rodman's going to get rookie. Right, so we'll let maybe somebody else who isn't eligible for other awards get it, which I don't think is really a justification for leaving her off it. But it what a, it is really a commendable rookie season from her.
0: Yeah, for sure. We'll talk she, actually. We'll talk more about the, yeah. the short lists in in the second segment. But yeah, just a thought. Um, so.
1: Although two I think quarter- my pick still from them for the MVP is Andy Sullivan.
0: Well, th- well, <clears throat> I do want to maybe this is, this is a good, this is a good conversation for the next segment. So, so hold on okay, to that. Fair thought. enough. But, um, so we had two games, two very close games, except, and this is a very reductive way to look at it. Cause we both saw the games. We both saw the ups and the downs of, of all of this. Oh, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. The one final thing I do want to talk about is I want to talk about North Carolina, um and sean nees their their interim head coach, and he spoke after the game obviously and it seemed like it was very positive for North Carolina emotionally to make the playoffs um I think ultimately you can say the quote unquote better team won in the quarterfinal, but um I I was struck. I was struck a little bit. You know, he he was a little bit emotional after the game, talking about how Abby Ursag stepped up in a leadership role in a very big way. Basically, said she took the team on her shoulders. Um, he talked about the the applause that the team got from spirit fans about this idea of of larger league solidarity once the game is over, and I think that was very cool. And when you talk about a club turning the corner. Now, I don't know what North Carolina's roster is going to look like next year. And and this is not something coming from something that I've been heard or anything just to maybe assume that there are some players who had this experience this year and said, hey, actually, I don't want to be here anymore just because that's a tough thing to go through and, and stay. Um, but it does feel a little a tiny bit like a turned corner or maybe a next page. I don't know. Right. Do you think that? going through at least that really positive collective experience of having that game go well for them helps set the tone for next year?
1: Yeah, I think it fully solidifies that they have begun this rebuild. And not yeah. just, obviously, a rebuild on the pitch, but this really emotional rebuild. I mean, I, I remember Lynn Williams, she in her pre-match comments on Friday, said that, it was a really difficult time for them right after the um, news about Paul Riley came out and he was fired. I mean, you can, you could. she said that they were both physically exhausted and mentally exhausted and that players would right after the game ended, just cry.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that, I mean, and obviously we, you can just look at their schedule. You saw that they had really quick games back to back in a playoff push. That's a really, really tough thing to balance. And they lost three of their first four matches after his firing. Right. So, and she basically posed it as they had the choice to either start the rebuild later or start it now. And I think between both making the playoffs and obviously drawing that uh, drawing them against the Portland thorns that enabled them to be the beneficiaries of the spirit result last week, and then taking this match really to the end and giving it their all. It has to probably feel like a relief that that process has begun in every respect.
0: Right. Yeah. It's a foundation upon which to build, which I think is it's a better place to be rather than feeling like your old um, mentality or persona is still crumbling around you. So I think it's, I think it's good. I do think we're seeing the, the new courage emerge a little bit
1: from, yeah. from the rest. I'm, of very them. Yeah. I'm very happy for them. Yeah. very happy for them.
0: I hope they get some, some well-deserved rest. Um, yes. Yeah. So now get, now getting to the, the bigger picture. We had these quarterfinals for the first time. I thought that was great. Close games. I love that the postseason is three weeks long. I think Me that's too. awesome. Really enjoy it. I love the postseason. Love living in it for a little bit longer. However, semifinal round is just one, two, three, four, just like normal, just like uh, <laughs> every other year. Semifinals are, uh, you know, one versus four, two versus three, right? However, now these teams three and four are coming off a playoff win. Is this actually harder for the teams that got the buy in terms of momentum than it would have been in past years? Or do you think the time off, Negates that.
1: Maybe this is always the this is always Big the question, balance. Right? Always yeah, balance. It's, yeah, you have the buy. Is that actually a good thing or a bad thing? Right. And maybe for the thorn, uh, thorns, it isn't. But the only reason I would say that for the rain is because they have to play the spirit, and the spirit with that match on, uh, and before that, a really wonderful run in October.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like. Th- m- if anybody's going to be the beneficiary of momentum, it's going to be them
0: going to be Washington. Yeah. yeah. They did, I mean, they did have to play 120 minutes of soccer though. So that can, and they lost Tori Huster. Yes. And, and that is also, we don't know exactly how severe that is, but I certainly cannot imagine she'll be ready to go next weekend. So um, that's a big loss for them as well. Yeah. I'm fast. I think it adds a, a cool new wrinkle actually to these, to these semifinals. Me too. I think is, is great. All right. Next question. Quarterfinal round home teams one. Home teams won. Do you think that that is a coincidence, or do you think that it's possible that we might get a a home team sweep in this upcoming round as well?
1: Hmm. Huh. That's a good question. I don't know that it's a coincidence,
0: a factor, maybe.
1: But, right? It's sort of, yeah. I still think that the home teams might win in the next round, but I,
0: it could just be because the higher seed is the home team. Yeah. Right? I mean, that but I think it's
1: game. just because I would rate the rain over the spirit, especially after they played 120 minutes, mm-hmm. which I know it slightly sounds like I'm negating what I said before. No, but I don't I, think I, it I, does. No, I see what you're saying. Um, and I think the thorns can still probably, I, I would say that they're the favorite against the red stars. I think that's more about on the
0: right? Yeah,
1: Yeah. for sure. For sure. So, but I think you can make a reasonable argument even with or without the home field advantage that those teams are the favorites.
0: Yeah. So it's just an added element maybe in their favor.
1: Yeah. But I mean, you obviously understand the incentives for wanting to play at home. So.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a big, big trip, right. For both away teams. They're coming. We would go into the West coast. Everything feels a little bit off when you're out there, I think, just because it's it's very, very different. So, yeah, interested to see what happens. Uh, Excited by the prospects. I think we have a couple really good narratives for all four teams. Um, We might get a Cascadia rivalry final, which I think would be very exciting. So, yeah, see what happens there. Uh, Any thoughts? Any final thoughts on the quarterfinal round party?
1: Mm, I'm glad we had it. Yeah. More playoff soccer is more fun.
0: Agreed, very good. All right, so this has been section one of the Equalizer podcast. We'll be back with part two with some off the field news. We'll talk the MVP shortlist. We'll talk about the upcoming u s women's national team schedule, all that sort of stuff. So stay tuned. All right, welcome to part two of this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. I am your host Claire Watkins. this week I am joined by party Catry. This second part, you know, we got the two big games in. Um, we're going to talk about just some other stuff going on, end of season stuff, uh, a hire, all of that sort of thing. Um, please rate and review this podcast. I'll just do this real quick. Please uh, give us a five-star rating. Give us a review. It helps people find us. Uh, we are an independent operation, and it is very, very helpful for you to give us a nice review. So... Let's actually let's start. Let's. I don't want to get into this too much because I'm going to be honest. I'm a little bit allergic to the "who's better than who" kind of conversation <laughs> with individuals. <laughs> um, I, I'm very like. I'm like soccer is a team sport, but uh, we did have I the shortlist. Like this
1: season was a really good season for soccer as a team sport. Exactly. Arguments. So we
0: did get the shortlist for the awards. I think it's mostly fine. I think that there were a lot of arguments for. People, a lot of candidates here, I think, that could have been included. I didn't agree with all of it. I agree with some of it. I think it's a a decent, decent list here. Um, Certainly better than some of the ones we've gotten in the past. So let's just go through it real quick. MVP, which does have a sponsor presented by Budweiser. So I I wonder if there is something that the person gets if they win MVP. The MVP. more than just like
1: a couple of free beers.
0: Yeah, right. I don't know. Uh, Jessica Fishlock from All Rain. Ashley Hatch from Washington Spirit. Mallory Pugh, Chicago red stars, Margaret purse from Gotham and Angela Salem from the Portland thorns. Defender of the year. Shortlist is Alana cook from all rain. Caprice didasco from Gotham, Sarah Gordon, Chicago red stars, Emily Manguez, Portland thorns, Carson Pickett, North Carolina courage goalkeeper of the year, Bella Bixby, Portland thorns, Aubrey Bledsoe, Washington spirit, Kaylin Sheridan, Gotham FC rookie of the year, which also has a sponsor attached, uh, three candidates here, Emily Fox, Victoria, uh, from, from racing Louisville, Victoria Pickett from Kansas City, Trinity Rodman, Washington Spirit, Coach of the Year, Laura Harvey, Owell Rain, Scott Parkinson, Gotham FC, Mark Parsons, Portland Thorns. So let's start with MVP. And I'm going to ask you a philosophical question here. And you can just say like which which you what's in your head when you're you're voting here. Okay, go ahead. Is MVP for the most valuable player or for the best player in the league? Second one okay i th- I think yeah. that sometimes when you see these lists and they don't always match people's like mindset, I think it comes down to that question Is yeah. it a player that is most valuable to their club or to to the games that they're in, or is it the player that has consistently been
1: the best I think it's designed to be a player of the season award mm-hmm. and so i mean I think people tend to, well, I, well, I won't speak for other folks, but uh, I tend to think of it as the second, Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: I think MVP and best player of the year tend to marry well together, you know, because, you know, I find that maybe the best player is also extremely valuable to their team and maybe is the most valuable player on their team and then maybe is inherently the most valuable player you know yeah i think i, I think I, it, yeah
0: it, it's an interesting question right um it is because if it's called i have i haven't,
1: key, I haven't even filled out my ballot yet so i'm going to be keeping yeah i this in mind. i, I, I <laughs>
0: certainly i certainly contributed to the voting for the shortlists. i got some of my people on there i didn't get all of my people on there but um yeah i haven't i haven't fully fully voted my final picks yet but um I think it'll be easier to fill out a start a best 11 this year than than making those choices for the MVP shortlist because it's a little bit more positional. um, So you can just sort of form a team of all of the people that you think had the best years. Um, Yeah, I mean, the thing, it it is interesting when you have these arguments though, right? Where you have a player like Midge Purse, right? Had a fantastic year. But you could say, I'm not sure she was the most valuable player on her team. You know, you could say maybe that's Ithioma Anumano. Yeah. Same with uh, Ashley Hatch. Is Ashley Hatch the most valuable? I mean, she's the golden boot winner. Is she the most valuable player for the Washington spirit? Is that not Trinity Rodman or even Aubrey Bledsoe, who, I mean, both of those are represented in the other, in two other categories. Um, And then I think that you have this mix of, you want to have goal scorers in there, but it hasn't been an amazing year for attackers. So who's the best, who's the best candidate. And so I, I, I have to be completely honest. I haven't made up my mind yet. I don't know who I like the most out of this list. Um, do you have a, a couple names or one name or two that sort of stick out to you?
1: Well, one that sticks out to me is just Fishlock. Also, Mm -hmm. Angela Salem, both of them stick out to me because I actually think they, I think Salem was really on a team that was all about, being uh, a soccer, being a team sport. That was really just a great season collectively by the thorns. Mm -hmm. Um, But the two of them, I think. marry they, they marry the uh, concept of being the best player this year and the most valuable player this Mm -hmm. year for their teams and then inherently in the league. And I think that's probably what you want out of this player of the season award sure so those are those are my two contenders right now when i finally fill out my ballot i will probably just wing it (laughs) i'm kidding yeah
0: i mean you kind of have to when you're when you're you you compile all of your data and your notes and all that stuff and then you kind of have to go with your heart right um yeah so snubs you know mine I think Megan Klingenberg has been amazing this year. I don't understand yeah. how she doesn't make defender of the year or MVP.
1: I um, know. I was surprised she didn't make defender at least. I, yeah. I you know. Um, you mentioned.
0: Right. That's another so one. If you're
1: going to pick a Gotham player, that's for me the pick.
0: Yeah. Right. Agreed. Um,
1: I, I would say Sullivan earlier.
0: Andy. Yeah. Right. A couple, a, a number of really good players, especially from these top teams, right? These teams that have been playing quite well. Um, There's... It's redu- this whole thing is reductive, right? Just to, to, to point to one person and say you are the best one. You know, um, us soccer nerds want to be like, here's all of the reasons why this occurs. You know, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think uh, Casey Murphy for goalkeeper of the year. Um, yeah, you know, I'll be honest, and I didn't even think of this until after I voted for my shortlist. I did vote for Kaylin Sheridan. I think she's had a very good year. I I the thing that I didn't put in there that I maybe should have is I did find it slightly disqualifying for the people who went to the Olympics. Amazing. she is the one Olympian who did make this list. Um, I think you could have replaced her with Casey Murphy, and that's that why she valid.
1: didn't end up making my short list. Actually, yeah. because I it was like, she just spent a lot of time out. That's nobody's right. fault. She just did. Well, it's not her fault anyway. Right, it's somebody's yeah. fault. It's just not hers.
0: Yes, and so I think that that. And there are a number of players who have had amazing seasons, but they just didn't play quite so much. Um, That's another one. I'm a little bit not surprised because she's very well-respected, but Emily Mangas had a slow start to her season just due to injury. Um, A player who I think maybe just like minute for minute has probably been one of the best players in the league, but they only played about 700 minutes is Quinn, but yeah, it's just not, not enough playing time. Um, Speaking of not enough time, I'm, a little bit when I saw Scott Parkinson's name, I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, interestingly yeah. enough, when we were voting, they did not actually have the option for coaches who had left. Yes. it was Only the coaches who had come in. So for example, like Freya Coom was not on that list. Mark Skinner was not on that list. And I don't, I don't know if those people would have gotten votes anyway, but, um, it was only the people who were currently coaches who were eligible for this. Um, a rough year for coaches. Uh, I, I yeah. get that, but yeah, the Scott Parkinson one. I was like, well, I mean, sure. I, I, I right. Suppose. Parsons
1: and Harvey are the easy ones, right? I think maybe if you're going to pick a coach who came in midseason, well, Harvey's one of them, obviously. I, Chris but, Ward, though. Well, Chris I, Ward, yes. Yeah,
0: I put. He was on my shortlist. He was in my yeah. Top same, three. I think. Yeah.
1: Um, I actually cannot remember who I picked for three now. That's funny.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but it so wasn't think, Parkinson, right? So no
1: disrespect.
0: No, of course, of course. It's just, it, it's odd year, odd year for
1: it. Yeah. Did anybody vote for Parkinson thinking, Oh, you know, this can also be like a sort of Freya Coombe appreciation award. Yeah. Maybe. It probably it's
0: was, like a, it's like a tandem thing. Right. It's
1: like, I can't vote for you, but this is the closest thing. I like what you did with Gotham this year. Yeah. Right.
0: Maybe. Yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, I, I, I talked about Kaylin Sheridan as, as an Olympian. She's the one Olympian on the list. We got no U.S. Olympians on this list. And I actually think no that, that Becky is-
1: Sauerbrunn for no Defender Becky Sauerbrun. of the Year. I know she
0: probably had a, he'd a sigh of relief when the list came out. So actually, <laughs> you know, this I had the funny thought, having watched uh, Portland's recent run of form in the defense, and I'm like, I actually think Becky Sauerbrunn might be having an underrated year. Which oh, is, yeah. Uh, a funny thing to say. But progress, right? It's, it feels sure. to me like that means more people are watching more games that we didn't just get a rundown. MVP wasn't Megan Rapino and Carly Lloyd and, and Lindsay Horan and all of these names that people know. It it seemed like it was not perfect, but more thoughtful than years past, right?
1: Right, for sure. I mean, it definitely came from a group of people or a group of voters that had actually watched a serious amount of games this year. mm mm-hmm. All of the people that ended up getting nominated, for the most part, I think. I mean, they all had really great seasons.
0: I know. I, mean, I feel. All... I, I will admit, I've, I've flipped around to feeling kind of bad for Ashley Hatch because a lot of people are like, "Why is she on this list?" And I'm like, "Well, all she did was win the Golden Boot."
1: So yeah,
0: sure. But I, I mean, mean right? Like all of
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah, all of them have qualifications to right. be right. Yeah, exactly. right. You're not. I mean, it's not what it, it was. Only two years ago, where the best eleven was rough just outrageous yeah but I it spawned I think,
0: conspiracy theories
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean what well, like every single player in the league including the people that were on the best 11 yeah. were like why are these people on the best 11 people who are on the best 11 were like why am i on the best 11 so really a lot of progress from there i think at this point if you're going to be like well, who? Why is this person on the list? It's a, you're being a little bit nitpicky, not us, not unnecessarily. So I think it's but, a good
0: discussion. I mean, it's kind of the point, right? Of things,
1: right, right but, It's good nitpicky.
0: Yeah, exactly. Informed, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yes. It's rather than just feeling like people are sort of shooting from the hip for their for their favorites, you know.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Very good. So yeah, that's a little bit of a wrap up. We'll, we'll find out who ultimately wins the awards. Uh, we will. Pro- we promise to fill out our ballots. Uh,
1: Oh, we will.
0: Uh, that will happen. We will try not to be swayed by postseason results, but, uh, there were two MVP candidates that scored yesterday. So they, they did at least get front of mind, perhaps, uh, just in terms of what they've been doing all season. So uh, a couple of other little off seasony things. Um, a big one and a big one that is going to lead to another big one is Portland Thorns announced their new general manager. Now, this is the first time the Thorns have had a general manager just for the women's side. Um, as everybody knows, Gavin Wilkinson was running both teams. He stepped away from the Thorns after being implicated in that report about Paul Riley, uh, And they have gone in a different direction. They announced that they have hired former Portland Thorns goalkeeper uh, and and former Concacaf uh, women's game head uh, Karina LeBlanc, were you expect? I mean, it, it, it was a name that surprised me, but in many ways, I guess, made sense,
1: right? Right. I don't think we were expecting this announcement. I mean, Karina LeBlanc herself said that it happened quite quickly. But if you're going to look for somebody who is qualified for a job like that, Karina LeBlanc fits those qualifications. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's a it's a really pivotal role right now in a lot of different ways. Uh, obviously, like you said, they've got to find a replacement for Mark Parsons. Yeah. And sh- so she's going to that's probably going to be one of her first tasks. They've had a lot of time to do it. Obviously, he gave them a lot of notice that he mm-hmm. would be gone at the end. So I'm curious to see. I'm curious to find out about the process, which I'm sure they probably won't give us information on now, but it, that's it, fine.
0: The announcement of LeBlanc makes me wonder if they haven't made progress. No, if they if they have made progress, though, I wonder if this is the first announcement of we might get a bigger picture relatively soon, I might think, if they're starting to announce things. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, if that's the case, and. Then- was their ge- was their new general manager not that involved in hiring yeah. the new coach? I don't
0: know. That's a really good question. Yeah. yeah, and I
1: don't know if that's a good thing. And I understand that this role uh, became available very quickly and very suddenly, but yeah, you know, I I guess we'll see.
0: Well, you know, I-
1: it's not the best thing if the general manager didn't have some actual input on sure. who the coach was.
0: Well, I, I also want to open this up because you put a very good piece out. Was it this week about the the processes of hiring in the NWSL? Yes. Um, yeah. Talk a little bit about what you found when you were looking into what those rules actually are and, and how those processes work. Because I think what you found was there's not a lot, right?
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I had been very curious because Uh, Lisa Baird, when she was a commissioner during a very run of the mill media availability in August, just casually mentioned the rule uh, that the NWSL does have a Rooney rule. It is shrouded in mystery. I found out that it's not that extensive.
0: Well, in a Rooney rule that didn't was she specific on that? It needed to be a, a woman candidate or a person of color candidate
1: she was very vague when she talked about it during that media availability. Yeah. She was just, I believe she was just asked what the league is doing in terms of diversity hiring. And she was like, well, we have a rule and didn't get into specifics, but then decided to talk about the gender diversity amongst coaches. Right. Which at the time was, it was Coom, Harvey, Harvey, um, Becky Burley, mm-hmm. and then obviously, well, Kuma is going to be with Angel City now, and Casey then Stoney. Casey Stoney. yeah, yeah. So that well, Burley is the only one that isn't in that group anymore, right? But she, I think, I don't know whether she was shooting from the hip or not with that. Well, and it'd be, <laughs> it,
0: we we found out later that that Bear decided a lot of things that. <laughs> she maybe didn't have so much of a hand in as, as she would have wanted people to think.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So over the course of my reporting, I found out that the league just doesn't it's the, their policy is not particularly specific. Yeah. Um. The only specifics are about having multiple people on the list of candidates okay. and then interviewing one for the job. So obviously somebody like Karina LeBlanc, for example, they clearly filled the requirement. Sure. Well, I mean, they they met the. I mean, they met the task of this. I mean, they, I mean, they met the requirements of this rule in that they the process, hired right. right, and that they clearly interviewed one minority candidate. Uh, they weren't specific about what Most type people. of candidates were would be included, right? But I have been told for a very long time that the league is working on creating a more robust policy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there seem to still be in the process on that. I would love to find out an update on that whenever they have it.
0: Yeah, but- it's important because there's going to be a lot of hiring in this off season, clearly. Mm-hmm. So the thing that you don't want and the thing that we have seen, right, is sure you have a list of of candidates and those can- that list of candidates might actually be diverse, but then you hire your friend. And so that's yes. that's the thing that I think the the NWSL needs to we talk about needing to get more specific, that is the thing that you need to try to, to ward off a little bit. Um, all right, so here's, here's my last question about LeBlanc because we talked about, right, she has c- confederation experience, if not front office experience exactly. Um, obviously, this is with player safety in mind. I do not think she would have taken the job if she didn't think she was going to be supported in it, all of that sort of stuff. This is a more philosophical question about the NWSL as a whole. Sure, But Portland is a little bit of the lightning rod here. This is a good hire, but it's a mutually beneficial hire. So this hire is good for Merritt Paulson. In rehabbing the image of the club, of doing actual good things, right? In terms of player safety and, and getting new voices into front office structures. The fans are still very angry at Merritt Paulson.
1: And they have a right to be.
0: Is it, what, uh, that's the right way to put this. In your opinion, can Portland and in a larger scope, the league move forward by those people who have been implicated in the past still involved and doing better things, but they still benefit from those things? Does that make sense?
1: Yes. I I I get what you're saying completely. Yeah. I think the NWSL has to. I think they're in a place right now where they have to set a precedent,
0: mm.
1: not just for themselves, but probably amongst other sports organizations in how to hold people accountable that technically exist in a structure where they can't or where they are never held accountable. Right. It is really hard to hold an owner accountable. Yeah. It's easy to hold every single other person accountable. It's probably easier to hold a commissioner accountable than it is an owner.
0: You can't fire an owner.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean you could force them to sell.
0: Yeah. But obviously but, that process takes forever as we've seen with right. the
1: spirit. So right. And I mean if you want to just look at MLS for example, they forced Deloy Hansen out. Yeah. At uh at real salt lake and obviously the utah royals went to kansas city but that i don't believe they have found an owner for that no team it's yet. been
0: an immense cost to the league yeah
1: yeah right. so and i don't know so i think like i said i think the nwsl has to set this precedent yeah and i don't know how you do it
0: it's hard <laughs> it's kind of like rewriting history a little bit
1: right yeah. yeah but at the end of the day these are owners that made decisions That got in the way of player safety, and I think if the NWSL is serious about it, I mean we're already seeing some strides that are being made. You know, players across this league have said that they're they
0: feel a lot better. They do, yeah.
1: That their clubs have taken a lot of care of them, have taken this matter seriously, finally, and have made strides, right? But again you have to find out a way to hold owners accountable while not putting the team in a worse situation i think one way is to sort of take away a an owner's power in like a board of governors situation that happened with the spirit right but then that also sort of then raises the question um is the, are the owners now just going to care about the team at all anymore
0: yeah and no I think it's it's really complicated it's really complicated yeah. right and there's no easy answer um and I think that another thing another facet to it and this, so we we're not, we won't talk about it there's we will be able to talk about this for many weeks in the off season right but I think I I do think maybe where I'm at with it is is a mix of yes I think absolutely that every single fan has a right to set their own terms of accountability because you are the person being asked to support this. And so you absolutely can dictate your own terms to what you think accountability should look like. Um, But I also think we should listen to the players and and what they think accountability should look like. And that is going to be, I think, a little bit of a push-pull going forward. I think that many players are going to actually hit a point where they say, I think this is good actually now. I think we're okay. And you might have other players or fans or anybody else who say, actually, no, we need to keep pushing. And so that's a difficulty of having a large group of people who generally want the same thing, but have different levels exactly of where they want to go with that, and so I think that that is kind of the experiment that we're seeing being played out in Portland. Um, I think LeBlanc is objectively a good first step. I think what they need to keep going is is ultimately what it is um,
1: and it does it is worth mentioning that despite Merrick Paulson making what seems to be a good hire in LeBlanc. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gavin Wilkinson is still part of the Timbers organization.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: And he is being accused of either of, or of being complicit in a, uh in a coach abusing players. Right. A cover up of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And using homophobic language. Right. And, he's and they're still, still
0: investigating ha- that. They're still trying yeah. to look into exactly what empirical evidence they can find <clears throat> on on the first part. The second part is is from is from Monashim and, and deserves to be believed. That alone is enough. But um, the first part, they're still kind of figuring out exactly what Gavin Wilkinson knew and when based on that investigation that was done back in 2015. Um,
1: and those should, those two things should be qualifying of a suspension or an investigation on the MLS side. If you're yep. worried about his conduct in the NWSL, that sort of stuff.
0: It, it translates. It applies. Yeah.
1: Why wouldn't it? Right. And that that's a really big oversight on not just Merritt Paulson, but maybe MLS too.
0: Well, right. And, and I do think that there are limits to what of certainly the NWSL league office can do about that. They, they, I don't think they can get into Merritt Paulson's business in terms of MLS that would take other entities caring. Um, and, and so right now I think that's falling to the fans, unfortunately. And, and yeah. I that that's too bad. They
1: should not have that burden. Yeah. Agreed.
0: So complications, uh, it, yeah, it's a complicated situation in Portland. Uh, I'm sure that we will get coaching news probably. I mean, obviously their season can only go two more weeks, even if they win the whole thing. So we'll get there. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, the one other thing that happened this week is there was the announcement that the U.S. will be going to Australia immediately after the end of USL season. Um, big, exciting games against uh, the Matildas, who we all know and love. Um, and I think the hope is that it's going to be a fun, young group. And so maybe we'll close out. We'll close out with a quick, fun, hypothetical party. A uh, couple of players. A couple of players. Maybe if you're thinking like some deep cuts, who would you like to see go on this trip?
1: Okay. So let's just talk about the group that wasn't part of the last couple of games because obviously, probably Sullivan or, is in, Pew is in, right. but they've been there. Smith, too, Sophia Smith. Um, Trinity Rodman, that would be fun. Very fun. Um, this is kind of not the same thing, but I would love to see Alana Cook finally get some real minutes with the USWNT. Sure um he's got a lot more
0: experience with their style of play after spending time in the states i feel i think that that yeah yeah
1: yeah. and let's do keeper wars just yeah a lot of
0: fun young keepers yeah
1: yeah there are a few great options murphy and bledsoe spring to mind so that's just off the top of my head
0: yeah that sounds great to me i would love to see some some college kids go Um, would love to see Jalen Howell would love to see, honestly, Naomi Girma. um, maybe honestly give Tierna Davidson the, the trip off. You know, I think that she's someone who's established, bring her back in, in January. She's played a lot of minutes this year, um, both for club and for country. Uh, for sure.
1: Give give some of the veteran players, and Davidson at this point is close enough to that.
0: Yeah. Give them,
1: a, give, them give them the option. If they want to take it off, they can take it. And then it I off. think
0: they should call in the 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 best outside backs that have played in the league this year. I think they should call in. I mean, honestly, I this would be wild, but Kling has been the best outside back in the league. Uh, Caprice Didasco has yes. been very good. Carson Pickett has been very good. There's a yeah. wealth, there's a wealth of outside backs there. Yeah, um,
1: definitely reward the players that have played really well in the NWSL this season. Just right. give them a shot. Look, there's no harm in inviting all of these people, I think.
0: Right. Agreed. Um, so, yeah, I would love for Let's it. to Go eat. nuts,
1: Vlatko. Go yes, nuts. Yes, exactly.
0: New faces, blank slate, just uh, kind of mess around with with whatever you want to mess around with in terms of formation. Yeah. Um, the Matildas play wide open anyway, right? So you're gonna get pulled into a wide open end-to-end game no matter what. So you might as well have some fun with it. I hope they fun. It. I really hope that they have a good time and the Matildas have a good time and the fans down in Australia have a good time and then they shake they hands s- and say, We'll see you in 2023, right?
1: These games are calling like that they, they see they just deserve the good vibes. They're yeah, setting up exactly. perfectly for just some fun soccer. Everybody's having a good time, and then we call it and we go home.
0: That's right, exactly. Very good. Well, we covered a lot of ground today. This was great, party. Sure so <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this has been this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. I am your host, Claire Watkins. Thanks again, party. Shout out to our producer extraordinaire Jacqueline Purdy. Uh, shout out to Blue Wire Podcast, our distributor. We will be back with semi-final recaps. The final will be set, uh, and I'm sure, as always, there's some news coming down down the pike that we just have not. We're unaware but we will find out uh, this upcoming week. So thanks everybody for listening.